1: Yeah, it was. There we go. Thanks, sir. Good evening. Glad you all could make it. Uh, pray for Pastor and Debbie. They're celebrating Debbie's birthday today, so uh, Pastor asked me to stand in for him, and I always appreciate the opportunity to get in, uh, get in the pulpit and, uh, and preach God's word. We are in Ephesians tonight. We are not in Jude uh, as much as I would like to be, but... Uh, 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 that's pastor's purview, so I'll let him continue with that. Uh, we're going to talk about grace tonight. We're in Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. Uh, we had our small group Monday night. I don't know how many have had their small group already, and and uh, uh, it is awesome this this whole grace study. And it, I tell you, it's really awoken awakened me to uh, grace and what it means. Okay? Uh, how far reaching, how far stretching, how many uh, 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 things that grace entails uh, where we're concerned. Uh, but, pressing on. In Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For you're, you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Or is God's gift, not from work so that no one can boast. See, grace is, is a free gift. If it wasn't, if it was something we had to work for, which we'll get into here in a minute, then we could say, iron that. But it's not. And, and, and that is just one aspect of grace. Uh, wow, where 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 to go? Uh, th- like I said, there's just so many aspects. I'm just going to scratch the surface here, as I usually do, and uh, we'll go to eight o'clock, and, and that's where we'll stop. As Pastor tries to do all the time, but uh, I, I try to do a little bit better job than that. But <laughs> in uh, in Max Licato's book, now, ha- ha- how many have seen the the video already for the uh, the life groups, the small groups? Anyone yet? Well, you- those of were my group saw them, but. If you're a group leader, you should have reviewed your, uh, your DVD already. But, but you'll meet Max Licato. He's the one who does the, uh, uh, the speaking on it. Well, he has a book, and it's called In the Grip of Grace. All right? And there's a part in there where he talks about grace and his problem with grace. Now, I'm reading an excerpt from this book. So this is Max Licato talking. I'm just reading it. And he goes on to say, he says, You know what disturbs me most about Jeffrey Dahmer? Now, this is a little graphic, so uh, bear with me, but this is him writing. He says, What disturbs me most about, uh, about Jeffrey Dahmer are not his acts, though they are disgusting. Dahmer was convicted of 17 murders. Eleven corpses were found in his apartment. He cut off arms. He ate body parts. Mythosaurus has 204 synonyms for vile, but each falls short of describing a man who kept skulls in his refrigerator and hoarded a human heart. He redefined the boundary for brutality. The Milwaukee monster dangled from the lowest rung of human conduct and then dropped. But that's not what troubles me most. Now, mind you, this is Max talking. He says, can I tell you what troubles me most about Jeffrey Dahmer? Not his trial, as disturbing as it was, with all those pictures of him sitting sincere or serenely in court, face frozen motionless, no sign of remorse, no hint of regret. Remember his steely eyes and impassive face? But I don't speak of him because of his trial. There is another reason. Can I tell you what really troubles me about Jeffrey Dahmer? Not his punishment, though life without parole is hardly an exchange for his actions. How many years would satisfy justice? A lifetime in jail for every life he took? But that's another matter, and that's not what troubles me most about Jeffrey Dahmer. May I tell you what does? His conversion... And I don't know if you follow this, but uh, Max goes on to say, months before an inmate murdered him, Jeffrey Dahmer became a Christian. Said he repented, was sorry for what he did, profoundly sorry. Said he put his faith in Christ, was baptized, and started life over. Began reading Christian books and attending chapel. Sin washed, soul cleansed, past forgiven. What troubles me, it shouldn't, but it does Grace for a cannibal. Maybe you have the same reservations, if not, uh, about Jeffrey Dahmer, perhaps, about someone else. It's hard to understand God's grace when it applies to such a monster. Now, if truly, if Jeffrey Dahmer was sincere in his, in his repentance and accepting Christ as a Savior, he is in heaven with Christ tonight. Get your head around that. If, if a monster like Jeffrey Dahmer can receive grace from our Lord and Savior, how come sometimes we as born-again believers, we doubt? We doubt. And I think we doubt because of our definition of grace. Our definition of grace, our understanding of grace isn't big enough. Not in the least. We, we, we need to get into grace... And, and, and we need to study it out. And, and, and there's, like I said, there's so many aspects of grace, it's hard to even do it justice in, in 40 minutes. I'm going to give it my best shot. Grace. What we are saved by. It's God's grace. It's free gift. Nothing we had to work for. Nothing we've asked for. God gave it. Freely. It did cost something, which we'll get into in a minute. But there's a wide range of meanings for grace. One could be a a well-coordinated athlete or dancer. I'm sure we've all uh, watched uh, football and you've seen the the receiver catch the ball in midair and run in for a touchdown and, and, man, they just make it look like they're floating sometimes. Or or, uh, uh, the basketball player going in for a layup and he just seems to just float up and set the ball right in the goal. The dancer. See these ballet dancers that look again like they're floating in air. Another meaning of grace could be good manners and being considerate of others. Uh, possibly beautiful, well chosen words. Another one could be consideration and care for other people, or possibly various expressions of kindness and mercy. And you know what? Jesus never really used the word himself. He just taught it and lived it. And that's really what it's all about. We, 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 uh, we go through our Christian lives and we try to emulate Christ. I mean, that's really what we should be striving for is to be more like Christ. We should be trying to emulate him. His every action, his every word. We fail miserably, I understand that. But that's what we should be striving for and that's what he lived, grace. That's what he, that's what he uh, was about, was grace. And so to understand grace, we need to go back to an old Hebrew, Hebrew term that meant to bend or to, to stoop down. And we know about bending. We bend over, we bend down, we stoop down, okay? Some of us a little harder than others sometimes, but, but, but that's what that means, uh, to bend or to stoop. And in time, the idea uh, of condescending favor. Now, I'm not talking about... I, I hate when somebody talks to me with a, in a condescending voice, you know, like, like I'm a dummy or something. Like, like they're so much better than me. And nobody really likes to be talked down to. And that's what when we talk about talking condescendingly. That's what we're talking about. But this is condescending favor. This is literally reaching down or bending down, stooping down to help somebody. Condescending favor. That's what we should be about. That's what we should be emulating. Donald Barnhouse said it best. Love that goes upward is worship. Love that goes outward is affection. But love that stoops is grace. God, Christ, humbled himself. He stooped down. He came down in our form. Was crucified, buried, resurrected. He he stooped down. He condescending favor for us we should emulate that there's there's plenty of people that need and deserve our grace as Christians see because a lot of times the only Christ people see is us and if we're not emulating Christ and if we're not uh, we don't have that grace and we're not showing them grace they're certainly not seeing Christ Grace is to extend favor and kindness to one who doesn't deserve it and can never earn it. Now, I don't know that I know any Jeffrey Dahmers, okay? But there's some plenty of people that take me off sometimes. Okay, We talked a little bit about this in our, in our life group, about possibly somebody pulling out in front of you in traffic or it or could be a hundred different things. And instead of getting angry, we need to learn... To extend grace. Because everybody's on a journey. And they need grace. There was an old Indian after living many years in sin, was led to Christ by a missionary. Friends asked him to explain the change in his life. Apparently, it was a phenomenal change in this Indian's life. Reaching down, he picked up a little worm off the ground and he placed it on a pile of leaves. And then touching a match to the leaves, he watched them smolder and burst into flames. And as the flames worked their way up towards the center where the worm was laying, the old chief suddenly plunged his hand into the center of the burning leaf pile, snatched up the worm. And holding the worm gently in his hands, he gave this testimony to the grace of God. Three words, me, worm. That's how God is. That's what what the Lord did. He reached down into those burning leaves and he snatched us from the fire. Because I'm telling you, if you're not going up, you're going down. And if you haven't accepted Christ, and those, those who haven't accepted Christ are headed for devil's hell. And this grace we're talking about in our studies and tonight is that grace we should be putting out to people that we should be telling people about the grace of God, in essence the gospel of Jesus Christ, and giving them the opportunity to accept the grace that we have. You know what? Justice is getting what we deserve. And ultimately, each and every one of us will get what we deserve. Those people that have wronged you will ultimately get what they deserve. But it's not about that. Mercy... Is not getting what we deserve. And grace is getting what we do not deserve. The best de- definition of grace doesn't come from a dictionary, but from the pages of the Lord's life himself. You know, the, the, Christ lived his life. And, and you know, from, from, from the beginning of, of Genesis to the end of Revelations, you know, there's some wonderful stories of grace in God's Word and, and what Christ did and, and what other people did, you know. Uh, but we, but we focused on the Lord, and grace comes through the story of the woman caught in adultery. And as they brought her and threw her at Jesus' feet and said, what now? What, what are you going to do with her? Caught in adultery. She deserved to be stoned to death. But Jesus says, he who has no sin casts the first stone. And once he started, we know the story, he was riding on the ground, and Eventually he looks up and all of her accusers are gone. And he asks her where they you know what happened, and they've all left. He tells her to go sin no more. Grace. That's that's God's grace. There was nobody there to condemn her. what he say? I, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Then there's the story of the Good Samaritan. And I know this is just a story. But it speaks volumes about grace and what I'm talking about, and and the grace we should show to people. We should be this good Samaritan as we live our lives on a daily basis. Then there's the prodigal son. The son came home. The dad was so happy. He threw a party. Gave him put a put a a robe on his back, a ring on his finger. He showed him grace. This young man had taken everything that was his, that belonged to him, his inheritance, took it out, and blew it, spent it all, and then comes home because he has nothing. And his dad shows him grace, takes him in, puts the robe on his shoulders, puts the ring on his finger. We know that story. The other brother was furious. Are you kidding me? He's gone out and he's, he's he's squandered his his whole inheritance and everything, his his birthright. And now we gotta throw a party for him? Dad showed him grace. What happens to us when we truly understand grace? And I don't know if that's even possible this side of heaven to truly, totally understand grace. But we must work at it. We must endeavor to to study it out. To learn the different aspects of grace. The grace that was given to us from God. The grace that that we're to show other people. What happens when we truly understand grace? A greater appreciation for God and His gifts. Do you realize what God has done for each and every one of us? Do you realize where we were headed before Jesus came and died on a cross? We were headed for a devil's hell. We were headed for fire and brimstone. There was no escape. But God's grace came down and gave us an opportunity to escape that. I mean, you hear preachers stand up and, and, and talk about that all the time. And you, and you hear it in, in life group and so on. But it, it's more than that. It's getting your head around what really that means. That, that's Grace. I know what kind of person I was before I accepted Christ as my Savior. I know, even further than that, I know what I did even after I had accepted Christ as my Savior. We are all sinners saved by grace. There's something to be said about that. We need to get a hold of that. We need to get our head around that and understand what grace is and what Christ has done for us. We begin to get a better understanding of all that God does for us. And the longer we walk with him, the more he reveals. So I ask you this. Are you in your Bible? Are you studying what God has done for us through his word? And even more than that, do you see what God has done for you on a daily basis? And are you giving him thanks? Do you thank him? We talked about this in our life group the other night about being thankful for those things. And, and it even got down to thanking him for a green light. You know, you're driving down the road and you're doing good, and all of a sudden the light turns red. Oh, man, i got to stop. Are you thankful for the green lights? It's his grace. Nothing happens without his control. That's in, nothing happens that's out of his control. And we've got to get to the point where we get our head so so uh, deep into grace and, and, and that we get our head wrapped around it, that we understand it, and that we're, we're thankful for each and everything that, that, that happens to us. And I know there's some bad things that happens to us. There's some bad things that happen to us. There's some bad things that have happened to us. But guess what? We're sitting here tonight. That's God's grace. We're able to get up in the morning, go to work, Go have coffee? Whatever you, whatever you do in the morning. That's God's grace and you're able to get out of bed in the morning. Do you thank him? Man, there's a lot to grace. And, and as we get into this study, and this is not a, I didn't mean for this to be a commercial for life groups, but, but this study is awesome. and Even Monday night, and I, it just had me, uh, it had me from hello. No. <laughs> but no, I was bawling, and I'm telling you, it just really got a hold of my heart. And, and if you really let it get a hold of you and, and you start really thinking about what God has done for us, each and every one of us, it will change you. It will literally change you. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, it says, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on, a new, on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your Creator. Now the word renewed means renovated. Now, I know we have a lot of handy men in this possibly handy women in this in this church, and I know we all know what renovation means. But have you ever been involved in renovating something? Most of us have. And you're aware of the problems that arise. There's not enough time, there's usually not enough money. You usually end up running out of both. You never have enough to finish, right? But the good thing about God is he never runs out of time. He never runs out of money. He never runs out of energy. And that work that he started in us, that renovation, he's going to finish. Now, those of you who've been to my house, you can go into my bathroom and you close the door and you use the restroom. You'll look to the, to the left and you'll see uh, the tiles torn off my wall because I started renovating my bathroom three years ago. <laughs> You know, and if you go into my den, where the TV's at, you see there's there's a lot of trim and baseboards and stuff, stuff I really need to do, because I start, I renovated my garage. You know those those things that we don't get finished, or we don't take the time to finish, we don't follow through on. But God finishes, He follows through, and there's one day when we hear that saying, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant." when it's going to be when it, when it is truly finished and and that renovation of our heart is completed you're not going to see it this side of heaven you can't expect don't expect to so many people get so discouraged because they're they're walking this life we call the Christian walk and they're tripping and stumbling over themselves and I can say that because I do it constantly and it's because of God's grace we can make it through this life and we can make it. We can stand our Christian walk. It's God's grace. So many times we're concerned about what other people are thinking of us. Wow! Yeah, yeah. If I don't go to church tonight, man, people are going to think I'm, I'm people are going to think I'm terrible. Or if I don't do this, people are going to think I'm terrible. Or if I do this, somebody's going oh, I'm, I'm to think I'm totally gone off the deep end. You know what? It's not about what. I think, or pastor thinks, or anybody else thinks. It's about what the Lord thinks. If you, no matter what you're doing, if you can do it and you're sure that, that you're not offending our Lord, our God, that's, that's who you've got to worry about. Grace. Where am I? <laughs> Another thing that happens to us when we truly understand grace is we spend less time and energy being critical of others. That is so important. I, I I've reached, this is no brag on myself. I just know me, and I wouldn't want anybody judging me. And I've honestly reached many people with the gospel of Christ because I didn't judge them. I didn't have that judgmental spirit. I went up to them. I treated them like people. I treated them like a human being, like an equal. So many times, we as Christians, we try to we 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 push off and we stay away from people that we should be shaking hands with. We should be hugging. We should be attempting to reach. And so many times, we shun them because they're sinners. Can't 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 talk to sinners. Jesus talked with sinners. Jesus ate with sinners. Did he not? If we're endeavoring, if we're we're trying to be as much like Christ as we possibly can, we need to be out there emulating Christ. Don't be critical of others. Show them the grace that God showed you. And when you begin to operate in the context of freedom, and that's what grace is, grace is freedom. Now, it's not freedom to go out and do what you want when you want. Actually, it is. (laughs) Okay? Just like pastor said the other day, you can do what you want when you want, But you're going to suffer the consequences. And sometimes those consequences can be dire. But it is freedom. You will become less judgmental. You'll allow others to make their own decisions. Grow at their own pace. You know, I've been a Christian for a long time. And I do not consider myself that far. You know, Pastor talked about being a Christian for a long time and not being far down the road. I do not never have really considered myself that far down the road uh, just because I know my own shortcomings my own failures and not that I'm being hard on myself I just know that okay but people grow at their own pace and we've got to extend to them the grace to allow them to do that you know some people might not be up to getting up at 4:30 in the morning and reading their bible and doing a bible study and coming home at lunch and reading a quick verse or two and then coming home at dinner and having a bible study with the wife they may not be there yet You've got to let people grow at their own pace. We've got to extend them the grace that they deserve, that we were given. After all, can the hungry accuse the beggar? Can the sick mock the ill? Can the blind judge the deaf? Can the sinner condemn the sinner? We've got to remember when, when we get that critical spirit and we all get it, I know we all do. Okay? We've got to get to the point. In our lives, where God is the judge, and we've got to get to that point where we can, where we can, we can extend grace. Third thing that happens to us when we truly understand grace is that we take a giant step in maturity. Now, most of you know me, and and uh, uh, I'm not the most mature person ever. Okay. <laughs> well, spiritually speaking, I'm not either. Okay. <laughs> but, but. When we, get, when we get in there and we get to where we, we, we're getting our head around grace, you'll notice yourself starting to mature spiritually. Grace has a tendency to help you focus on God and His ways instead of you and your ways. And it takes, it takes our eyes off other problems. Okay? Yours and others. Others. New things begin to open up that you, maybe you've never seen before. And that's the awesome thing about grace. And like I've been saying, all the aspects. You ever look through a kaleidoscope and all the different? That's like grace. That's like, Looking through a kaleidoscope and turning it and seeing all the different designs, that's like grace. That's how vast it is. New things begin to open up, present themselves to us i tell you, uh, the past couple weeks, and Paul made mention of up here, you know, uh, but the other two weeks ago, a pastor said something about Jesus and, 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 and Him doing the work in us instead of us doing the work in us. And in the past, I prayed, Lord, give me the strength to overcome this. Lord, give me the strength to overcome that. Instead of praying, Lord... I give it to you to take care of. And I'll tell you, pastor said that, and it totally just changed my whole way of thinking. And, and then Life Group Monday night, and man, it, it really did rock my world, spiritually speaking. And the way I, way I think about grace and what God has done for me and my prayer life and how I pray to God now, pray to the Lord, and asking Him to do it versus giving me the strength to do it. You know, when we are weak, he is strong. And so instead of, don't give me strength, because when I'm, when I'm at my weakest, he's at his strongest. Give it to him, let him take care of it. Now we've talked about grace and not very, we haven't got into it very deep, but I want to kind of change gears here and talk a little bit about the enemy of grace. And we'll call it the grace killer. Now, Scripture tells us it's by grace we've been saved through faith. But what I want to talk about is self sufficiency. Now, the Bible definitely does not tell us to be lazy. In fact, in 2 Thessalonians three, uh, chapter three, verse ten, it says, "In fact, we were with you when we were with you. Excuse me. This is what we commanded you: If anyone isn't willing to work, he shouldn't eat." Now, I'm talking about an attitude that you can do it all on your own without God. That's a bad attitude to have. Now, can we do it without God? Yes and no. Yeah, I can get get through life without God. I'll, 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 I'll get through this life, but I can't. Reach heaven. I can't reach the goal that Paul was talking about without God. I can't lead. I can't have that joyous, victorious Christian life without God. And that's that's what we're striving for. Otherwise, why are why are we here? So many aspects of grace. It's 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 unbelievable. And not one. This aspect doesn't take away from this one. Okay, me showing somebody grace doesn't take away from the grace of salvation. You see what I'm saying? We can apply, apply it in multiple areas of our life. It's an emphasis on what we can, uh, what we do for God instead of what God does for us. This self sufficiency, this grace killer, as it is. You know, we look, at the, look in Genesis 11 at the Tower of Babel. People wanted to build a tower up to heaven. They wanted to, they wanted to cheat to get there. But God wasn't having any of it. And, of course, we know that story as well. He, find, he, he changed their languages. They were dumbfounded. They, yeah, he spread them all over the place. In fact, the Living Bible calls this construction project a proud, eternal monument to themselves. That's what they were trying to do. They were trying to build this monument to themselves. Instead of honoring God, they were trying to honor themselves. God was pleased with this? Not at all. So you might be thinking, Oh, come on. Self-sufficiency isn't that bad. Well, no, I guess... We can take care of ourselves. I, I think of uh, little Lincoln, my n- newest grandson. He's a uh, week and a half old, and he's not self sufficient at all. It takes mom. Mom's got to feed him, change him, love him, keep him warm, pick him up, put him down, dress him, undress him, bathe him. Okay? I've come way past that. Grandpa's come way past that. I can do all that by myself. Okay, I'm self-sufficient, but that's not the self-sufficiency I'm talking about. I'm talking about the self-sufficiency where, where we do our best, which is our worst, which is the worst, at doing God's work for him, and we can't do it. We've got to give it over to him. We've got to get to that point where when we're weak, he's strong, and we've got to give it to him. Don't pray for strength to, hand, to, to, to do it. Give it to him. Let, let him do it in his strength, not yours. Now I know He gives us the strength and, and the courage and stuff to get through things. I understand that. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those problems you have. Instead of worrying about if you're going to pay the next bill or where the money's going to come from or uh, how you're going to put gas in the car. Give it to Him. I'm telling you, when you start handing things over to Christ and letting Him do it, you will notice an unbelievable change in the way things unfold in your life. I'll tell you, in the last two years, I think, I, I think I've grown spirit more, put on more spiritual maturity in the last two years than I have in all of my years of being a believer, a born-again believer. God has shown Penny and I, so much—it's unbelievable. Only nothing, nothing we've done, nothing original. No credit to ourselves, but it's just by stepping back and letting the Lord handle it. The Lord take care of it, like letting Him water the flowers, right? Penny has a saying: "Let go." I'm sure you've heard it: "Let go, let God." These prayer requests we've had tonight, our family members that are sick, the the, the being better at track, all, all these things. You prayed for it. God has it. Let Him work. Here's, here's a mistake. Sometimes we make we pray that our will is done. Lord, please heal this person. Lord, please make me a better this. Lord, please do this. Maybe that's not God's will. I don't want to burst your balloon. Sometimes we pray for things that we want. And and a lot of times, I know because I've experienced it, He'll give it to us. Okay? But sometimes He doesn't. And then we think, well, maybe He didn't hear my prayer. He heard your prayer. Sometimes the answer is no. We have to pray according to His will. But He always shows us... I'm I'm getting louder or something. I don't know, it's starting to echo really bad. Sometimes sometimes the answer is no, but he always shows us his grace. The danger of self-sufficiency is that by exalting my own effort and striving for my own accomplishments, I insult his grace and steal the credit that belongs to him alone. That's why it's so important to be thankful for those things that happen to you. Even the little... Tiny things. Have you ever been running around the house saying, oh, Lord, please help me find my car keys. I've got to get to work. I'm going to be late. All right? And you're looking everywhere. And finally, you found them. All oh, right, I found them. And you leave for work. Did you thank God for helping you find him? He, you were praying that he would, and you did. Did you thank him? It's little things like that that I'm talking about. And we think, oh, it's of no consequence. To God it is. To God it is. We see so much of this today. Athletes, actors, politicians claiming how, look how wonderful I am. Yet, they couldn't do any of it without God. Even those that don't accept him, believe in him, God controls it all. God owns it all. They wouldn't have the money, the cars, the houses without God allowing them to have it. My question here, can a violin take credit for sounding so good? Or a car for running so smooth? No, it can't. It's the builder, it's the mechanic. It's the person that built built the thing. If Stradivarius or whoever built those violins and and stuff, if he'd have did a a poor job of construction, maybe used uh, creosote wood or an old railroad tie to make a violin, I don't think it would sound as good Do you. No. It's the builder. It's the creator. John MacArthur says, As far as the way of salvation is concerned, there are only two religions in the, that the world has ever known. There's religion, the religion of divine accomplishment, which is biblical Christianity, and the religion of human achievement, which includes all other kinds of religion by whatever names they go under. See, all the other world religions approach God, God and they, and they use a bartering system. You, you look at the, the larger large religions today, there's a lot of works involved in them. Knocking on doors. I'm not going to name a one, but you know some of them that I'm talking about. They fall under works. Self-sufficiency. So let's pretend you could work your, your way to heaven. Let's, let's say we, we, we did everything... Or we attempted to do everything we could to work our way to heaven. Imagine the pride and arrogance you'd have. How proud would you be? Well, I'd tell you, if I, if I could do enough and be good enough to work my way to heaven, I'd be, I'd be even more awesome than I am. Are you, really, that, that's how er, arrogant... That, can you imagine the arrogance you'd have if you were that good? Nobody's that good. Nobody nobody can do that much or be that good or be good enough to work their way to heaven. We know that. I'm just kind of playing around here, uh, playing on words here. Why would you even need to thank God for anything? After all, all we've accomplished it was my blood, my sweat, and my tears. Me, me, me. Again, self-sufficiency. Let me ask you this. Do you thank your boss for giving you your paycheck? No. I don't believe I ever have. Because you earned it, and he owes it to you, right? We wouldn't be very thankful to God if we earned it, if we earned our way to heaven. It's a free gift. So you see how contradictory all this is. Yet so many people think like this. Where am I at? I can't go to church because I'm not good enough. I can't pray because I'm not good enough. I can't be saved because I'm not good enough. You can't be good enough. It comes back to what? God's grace. Here's a question, I will. How good is good enough? I mean, it, 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 those people that have fallen into that trap of working their way to heaven. How, good, how much work do you have to do? How good do you have to be to get to heaven? Now, if you've read Revelation, you just have a small insight to what heaven's even going to be like. How good do you have to be to get there? I'll leave that open-ended. You can come up with an answer and tell me sometime. But I don't think we can be good. enough. I know we can't be good enough. We can't do enough. The gospel was being spread in the early church. Gentiles at this point began to get converted. Then the Jewish 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 believers tried tried to add some of the uh, Mosaic laws uh, to salvation to the gospel. Yes, salvation is faith in God. Oh, and you need to be circumcised. So they started adding all these different rules and regulations. Still happens today. They try to mix grace and works, and it can't be done. It's by grace that you've been saved and nothing else, not one thing else, nothing you've done. You can't earn your way to heaven no matter how hard you try. The thief who died on a cross, he understood this perfectly. There was no way he was going to work his way to heaven. He was fixing to die. Jesus told him, he, he, he didn't even, he, he, he just believed, Lord, remember me when you go into your kingdom. He didn't even say, take me with you. He just said, just remember me. What did Jesus tell him? You'll be with me in paradise today. There was no way he could work his way to heaven, but Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Again, it's grace and nothing else. One thing we need to remember, when grace, when anything is added to grace, grace is then polluted and becomes no good. Because anything we add to grace, it ceases to be grace. Now, is grace still hard to understand and grasp? Yes, it is. Do you need to study and get your head around it? Yes, you do. But let me give you one last illustration, then we'll close in prayer. Let's imagine you have a six-year-old son whom you love dearly. And I didn't realize Joey was turning six tomorrow. Tragically, one day you discover that your son was horribly murdered. After a lengthy search, the investigators of the crime find the killer, and you have a choice. If you used every means in your power to kill the murderer for his crime, that would be vengeance. If, however, you're content to sit back and let the legal authorities take over and execute him, execute on him what is proper, that being a fair trial, a plea of guilty, and capital punishment, that's called justice. But if you should plea for the pardon of the murderer, forgive him completely, invite him into your home, and and adopt him as your own son, that's grace.
0: You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.